When I first came, I thought it was capable for the task. There were so many different things that I had to die to and realize I have no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lostness, northern Mozambican coast. The centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft. My first thought is, what have I done? How am I going to be effective? This is the beginning of a battle. We came in 2004. With my one-year-old firstborn. All of our kids come and minister together with us. Children open the door to build those relationships with the women, how to share their faith, how to reach out to their families, where it was much more close to the gospel. But there is a sacrifice involved. Witchcraft in this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth my life? Adelina was a very well-known wish doctor. After about a year and a half, we're getting ready to pray, and Adelina just says, I want to get rid of my witchcraft and take down the wish doctor hut. So Sunday afternoon, after church, when that wall fell down, it was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the local village has spread across the bay through the influence of, of family members. They had made professions of faith. We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ. God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline. Merry Christmas. So glad you guys could be with us today. So Haley could not, so you're stuck with me for the announcements. But I have the pleasure of letting you guys know that we have surpassed our Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal. Yeah, give yourself a hand. Go God. We have collected so far $8,325. And since Haley's not here, you know, she just wants to stretch it out of us. So she's created a new goal for us to hopefully um, reach, which I think, you know, if, if God is willing, we will get to the 9,000 new goal that she has set for us. So um, we are still collecting today and next Sunday, but next Sunday will be the last um, day that we will um, be advertising the offering. I think if you still give money after that, we won't turn it away. 
But we do ask that it is above and beyond your tithe um, and that you give prayerfully and just whatever God is leading you to. So in addition, as you saw in the video, um, we really covet your prayers for these missionaries as they are out doing God's work. Um, that is the greatest thing that you can give them right now. And we just um, ask that you would you know, remember them at this time as they're away from their families and um, just doing whatever the, the Lord leads them in that way. Um, we do have a few other announcements for this morning. Um, we're glad to have you here with us right now, but we will not have services tonight. Um, so just if you come here tonight, you're welcome to worship in the parking lot, but the doors will be locked, and you may be by yourself unless you bring friends. Um, we are going to have our Wednesday night services, though, this Wednesday at 630. Um, so we uh, ask that you come and um, be a part of that. We have a really good time of prayer and uh, Bible study, um, so we will still have those services as normal. So um, let's see. Also coming up in January, January the 9th, um, Wes is going to have a little concert for us and share his um, gift through song. So we ask that you guys would come back and be a part of that. Um, it's going to be a great time. But that's all the announcements I have. Does anybody have anything else? All right. I'm going to turn it over to Wes. Will I get a little extra to do today? And uh, please be in prayer for Tank. Um, he's out as he's uh, not feeling well. So let's um, stand as we sing. Good Christian men rejoice. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give me heed to what we say. News, news, Jesus Christ is born today. Oxen ask me for him now, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Joy, joy, Jesus Christ was born for this. Hath opened heaven's door, and man is blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting all. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. That's good singing. You need you need you may be seated. We're gonna sing, I worship you, Almighty God. You can smile while you sing too, by the way. It's okay. It's allowed. I worship you. There is none like you. I worship you, Prince of Peace. This is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. 
more time. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. This is what I want to It's good to see you here. We welcome you this morning. I know we've got some guests here that are not really guests. They're just part of some family that joined. It's always great after Christmas. This day is notoriously a low attendance Sunday for most churches, but it's great. Those that come usually bring some family members with them, and so we get to see some new faces, and that's exciting for me to, to meet you and get to see you that I don't always see. Um, we do need to remember um, uh, Brother Richard Tank. We know we've talked about him here. He is not feeling well. They're, they're trying to check on him, see how he's doing. And, and uh, there's a lot of sickness going around. Some of it's COVID, some of it's not. Most of it's colds, I think, or, or the flu that's kind of really getting passed around. I know my crew has got some kind of stuff, and I'm avoiding them as much as I can because I, I don't have time for such foolishness as sickness. You know, that's it. But we, uh, but we really uh, need to pray for those. We pray for so many people are, are struggling right now. And uh, let's, uh, let's all pray together. Father God, we come to you right now and we just praise you for what this time of year means and as we've been able to celebrate and enjoyed family and enjoyed friends and, and all the wonderful things that go along with it. Lord, we have friends and family that are sick, that are not feeling well, that are dealing with different kinds of struggles. Uh, Lord, we just ask you to meet their needs. We ask for healing. We ask for peace, for comfort, for whatever, Lord, they're longing for right now. We just ask that you provide that and show them who you are. Lord, as we worship together today, Lord, let us hear from you. We want you to speak to us in a strong and mighty way. Lord, you have been so good to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. I praise you, Lord, for this generous con uh, congregation, Lord, that gave so much towards Lottie Moon and will be able to spread the news of who you are to the people all over the world. Lord, we just ask that they'll be receptive and they'll hear your word. Now, Lord, as we worship together, we lift our hearts and our minds to you. We ask you, Lord, right now to come into our lives and live in us and dwell with us. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Angels, we have heard on high. We really sing that Gloria out, okay? Come on, y'all can
Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. down to join with us as we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. If you'd like to stand as we sing Hark the Herald
excuse me just a second, I'm going to grab a little, <clears throat> after leading, the, after singing all that to the, my heart, you know, I have to, there, it's better. I feel like I've been standing up here a while now, you know. Now, that's, that's a kind of fun to get to do that. I haven't done that in a while, lead the worship service and music, so it was kind of a good opportunity for me, so I was, that was okay. All right. Um, next time we'll let Tim do it, and that'll be good. <laughs> he's been saying he wa- he's been, he's been think he's been thinking he wanted to do that all this time, wanted to try it out, so, yeah. We are so glad you're here. Um, this is that Sunday after Christmas. You kind of wonder what, what to go. You know, it's kind of we're not quite to New Year's. Next Sunday, I'll do a New Year's ser- sermon. You know, kind of the New Year coming kind of deal. This morning is kind of that in between. So I usually like to center around the the kings or the magi, the, those that come that came really probably a year and a half or two years after Christ was born, and they came and met and met the king. You know, and they wanted to see him. So our scripture passage this morning is in Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you'd like to stand as we read God's word, those that are able, that would be fine. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming up to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now many of you probably sung the song, We Three Kings of Orient are, right? Well, there was probably not just three, and they probably were not kings. They were magi, they call them, astrologers, scholars, you might want to say. They were, they were not dumb people. They were very wise, hence wise men. We don't know how many there were. We say three because there were, what, three types of gifts that they gave, gold, frankincense, or incense, and myrrh. So we, we got that. They, they were, some even called them king makers because they trained and taught people. So those are really important things. They, came, um, they probably came from a priestly political class in Persia. That, most people, they're known as Pathians, Pathians. We have no actual proof or any of that, but that's pretty a good guess, and a lot of scholars feel that they, they were par, um, Parthians. And so um, 
but anyway, we know that they were smart, they were wise, and they were from um, probably the area of Persia, Babylonia area. And if you remember, Jesus, um, when the Jews were set free from Babylonia, that was in Daniel's time, they kind of got sent. Some went on back to Jerusalem, went back, but some stayed and they intermarried. And so there was a lot of Jewish influence still in that area, which made them decide, okay, they, they had heard about this king. Otherwise, you wonder, why would they be so influenced by that? So they, um, I, it's obvious that they had a true reverence for the king. I mean, they were what? Why were they coming? They were coming to worship him. They even told Herod, we're coming to worship him. And, they, and of course, Herod, he was not going to worship him. He was nervous and scared. And I love that they say, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I find it hard to believe that all of Jerusalem was really disturbed about the possible king of the Jews coming because the Jews were looking for this king. They couldn't wait. They were counting on it. They were praying for it. They were waiting on this Messiah to come and save them. So I'm sure that not all of them would have been upset thinking that he might actually have appeared and is coming. So they, they showed their wisdom by seeking Jesus. We would all be wise to seek Jesus. They knew they had to find this from seeing a star. Now Persia was probably 500 miles away. 900 miles if they went by way of getting water. <laughs> a straight line, it was 500 miles, but if they wanted to get water and have good, easy places to stop, it was 900 miles, which is probably the way they would come. Well, that's no small task. You know, they couldn't just jump on Delta and fly over, you know? That was up there. They couldn't hop in their van and drive 70 miles an hour there. No, they got a caravan probably with camels and maybe horses and donkeys and that's they had to travel this 900 miles now folks i've driven in a car 900 miles and that's not a short trip i get tired and that's in my car with air conditioning and nice comfortable seats and the radio going i cannot fathom walking it <laughs> frankly this this this, this Walk in it, okay? You know, let's, let's face it, that's a long way to go. So, but, you know, I think about they were willing to go through this sacrifice and this distance to meet Jesus. How much are we willing to inconvenience ourselves and to go and do something to meet Jesus? Kind of hits home, doesn't it? You know, we come to church when we feel like it, we come to do this when we want, we... We go and do it. If we feel obligated, we'll go and do some kind of service project or whatever. I wonder sometimes how inconvenienced we would put ourselves if it really came down to it. I hope we would. I hope I would. But I wonder sometimes. We don't like to ask. They also stopped and um, asked for help along the way to find to get there. They even stopped to ask the priest, right? They asked the priest. They were trying to find out where do we find this child? They weren't afraid to ask for directions. And most of us guys, we don't like to ask for directions. I'll drive an hour and a half out of my way so as I don't have to ask for directions. I'll figure it out. I'll find it. I know I'm the only guy in here that would do that. But anyway, that's the way I am. You know, that's how it works. But they, were, they knew that they had to get some help. We have to understand that it is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. 
We all need to hear that, okay? We live in a time where we're like, I can do it myself, I can handle things, it's going to be okay. Um, folks, it's okay. To, frankly, there's a lot of people that would like to help. They really would, and it gives them a blessing to be able to help you. Yet we deprive them of that because, no, I can do it myself, I can, I can handle it, I'm okay, I'm tough. Well, you know, let's not be tough. Let's ask for help and let people help us. Folks, we would get so much more done if we let each other help each other and work together as a team rather than each in our own Lone Ranger way go out and try to conquer the world. We can't conquer the world one-on-one -on -one like that. It doesn't happen. What do we have to do? We have to unite. We have to work together. We have to... I think that's one of the things that bothers me about what's going on in our world today. We seem to be so divided that we can't work together anymore. My goodness, let's get together. There's enough in common for everybody to be able to do an awful lot. We have so much more in common with people we don't think we have in common with than we think we do. And I know that because a lot of times, you know, I, I worry sometimes we, we divide up in our own little churches and our own religions and all that. Why? We're all trying to serve God, but yet, well, this one likes to think of it this way, and I just don't think I can handle that. Or this, I love it when churches of all denominations get together and pool resources and do things, and they have in several different, usually Christmas time is the time we do that. Doesn't matter what religion, what denomination you are, you pull your money together and able to accomplish all kinds of cool things. You're able to take care of a lot of people that really need taken care of. Lottie Moon's a great example. We all pool our money in Lottie Moon, right? All the Southern Baptist churches all over the world, which is a whole bunch of them, pool their money, and when they pool their money, they're able to accomplish major, mighty, great things, and the gospel is presented in so many different languages and so many different places, and all of a sudden, it gets out. That's what we need to understand. We have to, when we try to grow in the Lord, we learn from all kinds of sources, Think about it. Some of the growth places I had were not where I expected. They weren't in the seminary class. I've learned a lot more sitting under some deacons and some people that I've respected over the years. There's been people that have influenced my life and taught me so much. I learn every time I get in a group. I, I love getting into small group things. I've learned from your deacons, sitting in your deacons meeting. I, I, that's, that's how it works. Because God works together and teaches us. We, we say out of the mouths of babes. Sometimes it's out of the mouths of babes. Sometimes it's the newest Christians that come up with some of the coolest ideas or some of the greatest things and, op and open your eyes to some different type of way of looking at things. Many scholars believe the star was the Shekinah glory of God. Shining. God manifesting himself so that others could see that glorious light. Now see, the Magi saw that and understood there was something different about it. They were studiers of stars and they said, this is no ordinary star. It is so different that we're going to travel 900 miles to find it and to find out what it's showing us. And then as they studied and listened to their their Jewish friends and their people that they knew, they found out, guess what? This is probably the Savior's born. The Messiah is come. So they really wanted to see who that was. 
God's light helps us find all kinds of things. Think about Paul. What happened to him? The road to Damascus. What a light shined so bright it blinded him. And it was who? It was God's glory. He met God face to face all of a sudden. I would say most of you, if not all of you in here, have had God's light shine on you in some way. And you've found out, I'm never the same when God's light shines on me. When God's light pierced through me, when his light came into my life, I was never the same. And you won't be either when God's light comes into us. God's word taught them. They went to those men, the chief priests, and the chief priests knew the scripture. They read him the scripture. They told him about where he was, and they still didn't buy it. Think about that. They had all the knowledge. They had all the stuff they needed. They had all the words they needed to know. And guess what? Well, yeah, but it's probably not him. Hello, isn't that us? We have all these signs pointing us to a certain direction, certain things, certain things, and we go, well, it's not really us. It's not really for us. It's not really for me. It's probably for somebody. They're probably calling them to go do that, or that person will handle it. There are always going to be people in your path that will not be up front with you. (laughs) You've already already come probably already encountered that. They came to Herod, and Herod's, oh, I want to go worship him too. Tell me where he is, and I'll be right behind you. Y'all ever heard that? We call them the Eddie Haskells of that life, you know. Oh, I got some, I got some Leave it to Beaver fans here, you know. Eddie Haskell was that guy that was always pumping smoke, right? Miss Cleaver, aren't you so beautiful today? Or, oh, isn't it this way? He was always saying this. He didn't mean any of it. And that's the way Herod was. And we have people in our lives that will pump us up with stuff and all that and not mean a thing about it and try to lead us and not be up front with us. We can't let the insincerity of people veer us away from our walk with the Lord. There's a lot of people out there that are insincere and are keeping us away from our walk with the Lord. They made their way to Bethlehem following the light. They worshipped Jesus. They did not worship Mary and Joseph. They didn't go there to meet them. They went there to meet Jesus, the child, who was probably one and a half to two years old. And they met this child to worship him. And as, and as that, and we know that because of the timeline of when Herod killed babies, right? He killed babies under two. So we know that Jesus was somewhere in that line. And what did they do? They changed their plans. They had, they had planned to go back and tell Herod, but God told them to do something different. Now, folks, God changes our plans sometimes. I plan to do all kinds of things. When I went to college, I never planned to go to sem- seminary. Now, that's a bunch of preachers, that's a bunch of folks. I don't think I could be with them. I don't want to deal with that. While I was in college, I learned I should probably go to seminary. So I went to seminary. I thought, well, if I'm going to go to seminary, I might as well go all the way and get my doctorate by the time I'm 25. That was my goal. I still don't have a doctorate. I'm 65. I've played with it a little bit and 
done some courses towards it, done that kind of stuff, but didn't happen. God changed my plans. I planned never to be a preacher. I was not going to do that. That was the one thing I definitely was never going to do. Here I stand. Not in my plans. Best decision of my life. When God opened the door and I was able to become a pastor. Best thing ever happened to me. I was, it, it changed my life. It changed my perspective of who God was. God changes our plans. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out and we've got it all working and we're headed towards it and then things If you're like me, I don't like change. Don't you do that too much change. That's all that stuff. This newfangled stuff, I can't figure it out. Ah, it's too much change. It's, I don't, they do worship different than I did when I started off. I don't know. I don't understand all these. I, you know, what is that? How, all those changes. But guess what? God has other plans. And when we follow his plans, all of a sudden things happen. Things happened in mighty ways for all of us. They came with gifts. You know, we come with gifts. Y'all realize that? Everybody in this room has gifts. And guess what? Ain't none of them the same. Some people can do things that I couldn't even dream of doing. I can do things some of you don't dream of doing. We all have different gifts, and God uses those. And we're supposed to do what with those gifts? Bring them to Jesus. Lay them at his feet and offer them to them. They offered these wonderful gifts. They brought gold, which was about divine kingly nature. Gold was for kings. That was, that was why they brought gold. They brought frankincense or incense, the sweet fragrance of perfect life that he was going to have. Jesus was going to live a perfect life. They brought myrrh, burial spices, very valuable, because he was going to be sacrificed in death one day. These gifts were for the king of kings, but they were also, interesting enough, universal currency. That stuff that they brought everywhere recognized as being valuable and worth currency no matter where they went hmm. and then the angel told Joseph to get up and go to Egypt they were going to need those gifts for their travels we don't think about that a lot we don't we think of well they had these things they probably put them in some hope chest somewhere and then Mary hid them somewhere away uh, probably not they don't think about those kind of things. You don't hear about Jesus using his gifts from when he was a baby to furnish his ministry. No, that's not how it worked. People furnished his well-being for the ministry. They took care of him. Different people, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, those people all helped him. All through his ministry, he had different people that helped him throughout it. He had ladies that took care of things. They just did. But they needed this because they were going on a trip. They were going to go to keep the, the, the baby Jesus safe. When the kingmakers, the scholars, those wise men, magi, were seeking a person, not a destination. So many times we're looking to heaven and forgetting about Jesus. 
We're looking for some destination that God's going to bring us to. The destination is going to be glorious and wonderful. That's no question. But to get to the destination, we need Jesus. We have to got to come and honor and worship Jesus. That's why they went. They didn't go because they said, I, you know, I heard Bethlehem's nice this time of year. That's not why they went. They knew Jesus was there. They were going there. One day, we are going to make that destination, but the trip to it, the time with Jesus, meeting and honoring Jesus, is really what it's about. We've got to understand Jesus is why we are here. These kings had a specific approach to Jesus. They had a specific way they went to meet Jesus. And we better too. We all need our own approach to Jesus. We all worship him differently. We all look to him and, and listen to it. We all see Jesus in a different light. That's called a personal relationship with Jesus. And our personal relationship is personal. And each one of us can have it. And if we all have that personal relationship with Jesus, guess what? What a glorious life it is. Are we going to have it smooth and easy? No. Can you imagine? If you were Mary and Joseph, you had a baby, and you knew it was going to be God's son, you would think, well, if God's son's going to live in our house, we're going to have a smooth and easy life. I, I'm sorry, I would have thought that. <laughs> First thing they have to do is what? Go to Egypt. I don't speak Egyptian. I don't know how to do what where are we going to live? What are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Go to Egypt. Okay. So off they went. It's time for us to approach Jesus with where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I will follow you. Take your relationship with Jesus. Bring your gifts and worship him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. We thank you for all you are and all you do. Lord, we want that personal relationship with you. We ask you to come into our lives right now, dwell amongst us, and we'll give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name.